Hebrews chapter 12 uh, is where we're going to begin this morning, and we're, we're going to stay here for, for most of our, our lesson. Hebrews chapter 12, start reading with me please in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So we're really gonna we're just gonna really camp out in these three verses mainly tonight and unpack some of what the Hebrew author um, has left for us here. So this, this chapter begins, and chapter breaks are put there by man. They wouldn't have been there in the original. But the chapter begins with uh, saying, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. <clears throat> what is this cloud of witnesses that, that the author is referring to? Who is this cloud of witnesses that the author is referring to? Because we, we have to understand that if we're going to understand the point that he's going to make based on this cloud of witnesses. So he says, therefore, so let's look back to the, the, the context, what's been going on prior to this verse, to see what he's referring to. He says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. I believe that cloud of witnesses that he's referring to are, are all the different men and women of faith that he wrote about in chapter 11. So let, let's look just at a few of these people in chapter 11. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 in verse Verse uh, 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Then we're told, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. We're told in verse 8, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore there was born even of one man, and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Verse 23, we're told that by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures, treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Verse 32 says, And what more shall I say? For time will, will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. From weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they may ob- obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. 
They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. So these people in chapter 11, these men and women who who put their faith, who put their allegiance in God, they are the cloud of witnesses that is being referred to in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. And what are they witnesses of? What what are these people, what are these, these people, what are they witnesses of? Note that they are not witnesses of us running. This is not really the idea of of spectators now watching us run. That's not the idea of witnesses here. The word for witness here is the word that we we get the word martyr from. This is the word that we get the word martyr from. Um, A a martyr, oftentimes nowadays, it's come to mean someone someone who was killed because of their belief that they refused to give up. Um, and, and originally it kind of carried the connotation of one who, one who bore witness of something, which makes sense. If you think about someone who was martyred for Christ, they were killed because they bore witness of him, and they refused to, to not bear witness of him. So that's the word that's being, that's being used here that's translated witnesses. So these people, this cloud of witnesses, this is a cloud of people who are testifying of something. They, they are testifying of something. As we, look to their, as we look to their lives, they bear witness to us of something. They are not witnessing us, but they are bearing witness to us of something. What do they bear witness of us, or bear witness to us of? Well, they bear, they bear witness to, to the approval of God that is gained through faith. Let's read again chapter 11, verse 39. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, that's what they bear witness of. They, they made hard choices in life because of their faith in God, because, because their allegiance was given to God. Abraham left the, the comforts of, of civilized Mesopotamia to go, to, to, to go live as a nomad in this unknown land of Canaan. He, he made that hard choice because he had faith, he had trust in God. Moses chose to, to give up the, the glory, the splendor, the riches of Egypt because he put his faith in, in God. And he, he, he chose rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin there in Egypt. And, and because of these choices and of all the other men and women that we read about in that chapter, because, because they put their faith in God and they made choices based on that, they gained approval through that faith. And that's what they bear witness of, that if you put your faith in God, if you make the hard choices, you will receive his, his approval. You will gain his approval. <clears throat> but but take, take note of, of a very important point, that though they put their faith in him, though they received approval, they did not receive the fulfillment of the promises. We're told that in the second part of verse 39, that they did not receive what was promised. They did not receive what was promised. 
Why, why did they not receive the promises? Was it because God wasn't able to deliver them? No. We, we see all throughout Scripture how God is keeping promises to his people. But, but the specific promises that are being talked about here in Hebrews 11, why did all of these great men and women of faith not receive the promises? It was because it wasn't time yet. And it was because, Hebrews 11 and verse 40, God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. They didn't receive the promises because God had provided something better for us. And he, didn't want, he did not want them to be perfected without us. I want you to think about that for a second. Think about the people that we read about here in Hebrews chapter 11. We read about Abel. We read about Abraham. We read about Moses. We, we read about you know, Gideon and Barak and, and, and uh, Rahab. All of these people who, who demonstrated their faith in God. None of these people saw the promises fulfilled because God didn't want them to see it fulfilled until I saw it fulfilled. Abraham did not see the promises fulfilled because God didn't want Abraham to see the promises fulfilled until Denise saw the promises fulfilled. He didn't want Moses to see the promises fulfilled until Miss Connie saw the promises fulfilled. That's what we're told here in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11. What, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you today? That these great men and women of faith who, who, who they put their faith in God, they made the hard choices God thinks of you in the same way that he thinks of them, and he didn't want them to obtain this perfection until each and every one of us today could obtain it as well. And so it, it is this cloud of witnesses that testifies to the faithfulness of God and, and, and shows that he is faithful to those who are faithful to him. So what does that mean for us? Well, what does that mean for us today? The Hebrew writer is going to answer that as we continue to read in chapter 12. That was just, the, that was just the, first, the first part of the first verse there where we read, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, what should we do because we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us? Well, we look to them and we see how God was faithful to those who were faithful to him. And we see how he waited to fulfill his promises until we could enjoy them. <coughs> What, what, is the, what is the logical response to a God with this kind of track record? I think the logical response is that we put our faith in him like they did. We make decisions based on our allegiance to this faithful God and nothing else, just like they did. Because we see the approval that, that, that is gained when we do that. And the Hebrew writer, he's going to break down what this kind of life looks like in, chapter, in verses 2 and 3 here of, 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 of Hebrews 12. Really, actually, the second part of 1 and in verses 2 and 3 as well. Um, so we're told, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. And let's, let's pause there for a moment. So there are, there are really three things that we're called to do here because of, because of what we see in this cloud of witnesses, what we see about God from this cloud of witnesses. There are three things that we are called to do. Um, and we're going to look at the second one first. We're going to go out of order here, but we're going to look at the second one first. 
Because I think this is the one that makes the most sense. We're told that, that we must lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us. Why must we lay aside the sin? Well, that seems kind of like a dumb question. It seems kind of like an obvious question. Well, like, sin is bad. Sin, sin is against God. So therefore, yeah, of course we would have to lay aside the sin. But it, it, it wouldn't be mentioned here if it weren't important. It wouldn't be mentioned here if this weren't a problem, if this weren't hard to do. You understand what, what the Hebrew writer is saying here. He's not saying lay aside some of the sin that so easily entangles you. Lay aside most of the sin that so easily entangles you. No, it's lay aside the sin which so easily entangles you. Sin cannot be in our lives. We, we cannot run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's the third thing we're called to do is to run with endurance the race set before us. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But we can't do that if we allow sin to remain in our lives. We can't run with endurance if we, as much as is within our power, allow temptations to remain in our lives. What do you have in your life that you're not fighting against? What sin is in your life that, that you're not fighting against? What, what, what relationship do you have that you're just not letting go of, that's dragging you down, that's weighing you down? What's, what's the, the pet sin that you just won't give up? Whatever that answer is for you, to run with endurance, you have to lay it aside. You, you have to lay the sin aside that so easily entangles us. And, and, and I want you to hear this. You're not going to be able to do this by your own strength and your own wisdom. You, you have got to look to God's word for guidance as you do this. Each of us has to look for God's word for guidance as, as we, we want the sin to be removed this is how it's removed. Reading this and studying this and growing in the nature of the God that we see here, that is how sin is going to be pushed out of our lives. We have to look to God's word for guidance, but beyond that, we have to go to God in prayer and ask him for help. Because I don't always understand exactly what's in here. I need to ask God to help me understand, to give me wisdom, to give me strength to make the difficult choices like Abraham made, like Moses made, to, to cut away the sin in my life, whatever that takes, because I have to lay it aside if I'm going to run. And, and let me add a third thing, thing to this. You also have to rely on your brothers and sisters to help you. We, we, this, the, the, the brothers and sisters that we have in, in, our, in our local church, we have to rely on each other to, to strengthen us and to help us through the sin that so easily entangles us. That's part of, of why we gather here. That's part of God's wonderful design for the church is that we have each other to help us because we all have the same goal. We all want to run with endurance. We all want to finish this race. So we have to lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us. You, you remember, right, why God waited to deliver what was promised? It was so those who sought him by faith would not be perfected without us. You see, God is in the business of perfecting people. And there is no room for those seeking him in faith to be entangled in sin. Because he wants to perfect us. He is working to perfect us. He, he sent his son to die so that we could be perfected, so that Abraham could be perfected. 
We must lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us. But the second, the second thing that we're called to do, and this is really the first thing as it's listed in the verse, but I wanted to talk about this second because this one, I don't think this one is, is as clear, at least wasn't for me. <clears throat> he says, let us also lay aside every encumbrance. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance. And I want us to think about this one because that last one makes sense. It's difficult it, it, it can be hard, but it makes sense. I've, I've, yes, I've got the sin has to be removed from my life. If I want to be faithful to God, I've got to lay aside every sin. But what about these encumbrances? Because they're listed separately here from the sin. He says, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. So the, these encumbrances that he's talking about, they're separate from sin. They're not sinful but they're things that can entangle us and can keep us from running the race with endurance. All right, so what is an encumbrance? I I don't use the word encumbrance every day, Um, but I do use the word, I have used the word some, the word cumbersome. Maybe more familiar with the word cumbersome. We say that something is cumbersome. If, If I'm helping somebody move a couch into a house, that couch is cumbersome. It's unwieldy. It's difficult to carry. It's something that, that weighs us down. That's what an, that is what an encumbrance is. An encumbrance is something that weighs us down, something that makes it difficult to move, something difficult, it's something that's difficult to carry. And according to the Hebrew writer, there are encumbrances that, that can keep us from running this race with endurance. And again, these encumbrances are separate from the sins that so easily entangle us. We need to think about that. We need to, we need to let that sink in, that there are things that are not sinful that can keep us from running the race that we are called to run. So what are the encumbrances in your life? What are the things in your life that are not sinful but that are keeping you from running the race with the endurance that you're supposed to be running the race with? Perhaps a better question is, how do you spend your time? You know, there, there are 24 hours in a day, and, and no matter how much I, I would love for there to be one more, there's not. There never will be. There's 24 hours in a day. How do you use them? Well, we, we, we sleep. We've got to sleep. We have to eat. You know, most of us, we, we, we work for some, for some period of, of time during that day. Well, i got to spend time with my family. You know, I have you know, a little bit of screen time. I have a little bit of time for my hobbies. You know, I got, we, have, we all have errands we have to run, places we have to be, things we have to do. But you see how quickly the encumbrances add up? You see how quickly these encumbrances add up and, and begin to weigh us down and keep us from running the race that we should be running. <clears throat> Maybe another way to look at this, another question that we should be asking ourselves is this. In what ways does my life look different than the lives of my worldly friends. In what ways does, does my life look different than the lives of, of my friends and my coworkers out in the world? <clears throat> well, you say, well, I mean, they, they go out and you know, they, you know, they, they curse, or they, they sleep around, or what, whatever you want to say, all these different sins they do. Well, yeah, we've already laid aside the sins. We're not talking about sins at this point. We're talking about encumbrances. 
So the sins, no, the sins better not be a part of your life. That's, that's, that's understood. But moving beyond the sins to the encumbrances, are you doing all of the non-sinful things that your friends in the world are doing? Remember, they, they, by definition, are not running the race that we claim to be running. So if your life looks exactly like their life, minus the sins, that probably means that you have some encumbrances that you need to lay aside also. You know, it's, it's awkward to even talk about some of these things that we're about to talk about, some of these things that we're going to label encumbrances this morning. It's awkward even to talk about these types of things when we're looking at the book of Hebrews, when we look at, at, at Hebrews 11, and we see the things that people went through uh, for, for their faith in God. When you think about the original audience for the book of Hebrews, the original audience for the book of Hebrews uh, seems to have been first century Jewish Christians who are being persecuted by the Jewish leaders of the day because they're going after what the Jewish leaders considered to be a heresy, the teaching of Christ. They wanted them to stay with the law of Moses. That's what they're going through. And so the encumbrances that they are dealing with, the encumbrances that they would be dealing with are things like having their property taken away. They're things like being kicked out of the synagogue, being kicked out of society. The, 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 the original readers of this, of this letter, would, they, they would have been being tempted to stop running because if they kept running, they might lose it all. And so, like, their place in society, their, their, their job, all of those things, those are the encumbrances that Paul is saying, you might have to set these aside so that you can run with endurance the race that's set before you. I don't believe that for us in this time and place, we're dealing with any of that. And so it's, it's awkward to even talk about some of what we might consider encumbrances when we take that into account. But we have to, because while the temptation for them was all right, I may have to stop running the race because I'm going to lose all of my stuff. The temptation for us today is that I can run the race and I can have all of the stuff. You know, instead of, of, of trying to scare us out of running our race by threatening to take everything, the devil tries to lure us away from running the race by telling us that we can have everything that we want. We, we are led to believe in the time and place that we're living in that we can keep running and we can have everything else as well. You know, I can have the car. I can have the boat. I can have the hobby. I can have all the sports fandoms. I can have the friends. I can have the, the local influence. I can have the 24-7 entertainment from YouTube, from Netflix, and the rest of the 5,000 streaming services that are out there right now. I can have all of that, and I can still run with endurance the race that is set before me. You know, do, do, you, do we recognize how easy it is to, to waste an hour of my day on YouTube? I recognize it. I did it earlier this week. And it, it was stupid, and looking back on it, that was a, a disgusting waste of my time. There are so many better things that I could have spent that hour doing. There are so many things that would have been eternally more profitable than spending an hour just watching random videos on YouTube. And I mean that literally. It would have been eternally more profitable for me. There are things that would have been eternally more profitable for me than doing that. 
you know, the idea of, of binge-watching shows has become a norm that is just kind of accepted in our society where we'll sit and we watch hours upon hours of shows that oftentimes we've already watched them three times before. When was the last time that I sat down and I read scripture for hours on end? You know, how much time do I spend on social media? Just scrolling and scrolling. And I, I, I scroll and I see something funny and I make that noise that we all make as we blow a little bit of air out of our noses after watching something that's mildly amusing for like the 15th time in the last five minutes. How much time do I spend doing that? You know, your phones will tell you how much time you spend doing that. They, they, they keep track of how much time you spend on these different apps. That, that, I, I have been embarrassed by that screen time report at the end of the week. So how much time do we spend on these things? Social media, social media is, it, it is, it is an encumbrance at best, if not an outright stumbling block in our race. So lay it aside. You know, we're told and we believe I can have the most successful career or I can have the most successful children. And, and make no mistake, if we live according to biblical wisdom, that, that will often result in some measure of success. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that success is not the goal. The goal is to live according to biblical wisdom. And whatever happens after that happens after that. The goal is to live according to biblical wisdom. The success for me is not the goal. The success for my children is not the goal. And if we are not constantly vigilant in this regard, it will become the goal and it will become an encumbrance that that keeps us from running with endurance the race that is set before us. I'm not, I'm not standing up here and advocating that we should all live, live like, like monks. I, I am saying, though, that we should probably live a lot more like monks than we like to think that we should. I, I cannot be involved in the same amount of non-sinful encumbrances that the world is involved in, but then go to, quote, the right church on Sunday morning, and, and think that I'm running the race with endurance. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. So how are you spending your time? Does your life look any different than the lives of your friends and coworkers in the world in the way that you spend the 24 hours that we're blessed with in a day? Turn, turn with me to Ephesians 5 real quick, please. Ephesians chapter 5. I said we were going to stay in Hebrews. But I want us to look at Ephesians 5 together real quick. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. Paul writes there, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So Paul tells his Ephesian readers here that you need to be careful. He says, be careful that you don't walk as unwise men, but that you walk as wise men. And what does that mean if I'm walking as a wise man? He says it means I'm going to make the most of my time. Your translation might say redeem the time. 
I'm going to make the most of the time that God gives me because the days are evil. Not meaning that a day is morally bad, but just that they are, you know, they, they're, they're short, they're fleeting, and, you know, it, it, by the time that my days are up, it's, it, it doesn't end well. Death doesn't end well. So the days are evil. There's not a lot of time, so make the most of the time that you do have. That's what Paul is getting at here. And he doesn't just say that and move on. He gives us ways that we can do this. He, he, he paints a picture of what it looks to be wise, to not be foolish, to redeem the time. First off, I'm going to be understanding what the will of the Lord is in verse 17. That's this. I'm going to be understanding this. I'm going to be studying this. I'm not going to get drunk with wine, but instead I'm going to be filled with the Spirit. And I'm going to, I'm going to be speaking to, to, to my brothers and sisters in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're going to be singing with each other, teaching each other through these songs. I'm going to be making melody with my heart to the Lord. I'm going to be giving thanks in all things, for all things, in the name of, of, of Jesus. And I'm going to be subject to each of you in, in the fear of Christ. There, there are wonderful, eternally profitable things that we can be doing if we are making the most of the time that God has blessed us with. And like... Pretty much all of this list involves things that we need to be doing together. And we do them here when we gather together, but we need to be doing them together outside of these assemblies as well. Because we are the people who are going to help each other run the race with endurance, not anybody who's out there. And and we have friends in the world, and and, and Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5 that I'm not calling you to come out of the world. But the place that the, the, the people who we get our strength from, the people who we confide in, who we love most, who we trust, should be the people who are running the race with us. And then together we're going to go out and we're going to try and bring as many of the rest of those people in here to start running with us as well. We must be redeeming the time as wise men. Back in Hebrews chapter 12. Back in Hebrews chapter 12, we've been told, all right, we're going to lay aside the sin. We're going to lay aside the encumbrances. Our lives, we we know now, our lives can't look exactly like the lives of everybody around us because we shouldn't be like everyone around us. We're strangers and sojourners here. We're not focused on the same kind of things that people around us are focused on. So we're going to lay aside those encumbrances along with the sin that so easily entangles, entangles us. And then what are we going to do? We're going to run the race. We're going to run the race. We don't set the things aside so we can just stand there and look at them and want to pick them back up again. We, we, we set the things aside so we can run the race that's before us. And, and you know what? This is the fun part. And personally, on a physical level, I hate running. <laughs> I hate running. I, I, I try and do it sometimes. I need to be doing it more right now. But I really don't enjoy running, just running for running's sake. Give me a basketball and a hoop, and I'll, I'll run all day long. But just running to run, I don't enjoy that personally, physically. But, but this race that we're talking about here, this, this race is the most joyful and rewarding race that you will ever be a part of. Because, you know, the, the farther that you run, the more strength that you gain. That's not normally how it works. But the farther that you run, the more strength that you gain, the more peace that you gain, 
the more sharply the important things in this life come into focus as, as I am running this race with endurance. There is so much joy to be found in the life of the Christian. If we would just set aside the things that are entangling us, that are telling us, well, no, you can actually be joyful if you just, you can, you can, you can do whatever you want, you can give in to whatever you want, and you can have joy there. You're not going to have joy there. The joy comes from running the race with, with, with endurance. And that's not to say that it's, that it's not difficult at times. I'm not saying that. That, that, that's, that would defeat the, the point of this whole book, honestly. It, it, it can be difficult at times. There are hard decisions that we make. It was hard for Abraham to leave his father and mother. It was hard for, for Moses to leave the pleasures of Egypt. So we have to make difficult decisions at times. We, after all, we must run with endurance. But even when, even when it is difficult, even when the encumbrance that I set aside really does hurt to set aside, I press on, fixing my eyes on whom? Fixing my eyes on Jesus, we're told in verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of faith. This, this is the only way that you're going to run with endurance. This is the only way that you're going to find the strength to lay aside your sin and to lay aside the encumbrances, is if you're fixing your eyes on Jesus. Because Jesus is the ultimate example of faith. We, we read in chapter 11 about all these wonderful examples of faith. But without Jesus, none of them would have amounted to anything. All of the things that they did would have been worthless if it were not for Jesus and the race that he ran. And so we look to Jesus as our example. And so what did he do that serves as our example? Well, first off, we're told he endured. He endured the cross. Jarrett used that language earlier this morning when he was talking to us as, as we were partaking of the Lord's Supper, that he endured the cross. <clears throat> and you think, as we did earlier today, we think about the things that he endured, the pain that he endured there. As he was having nails driven through, his, his flesh driven through the nerves in his body, the excruciating pain that he went through. We think about the, as his back was just ripped open with the scourging before the cross, the crown of thorns that was jammed into his head, and the hanging on that cross for six hours, suffocating. We, we, we think about what he endured on the cross. But also think about what he endured leading up to the cross. You know, for the, the pain that he would have, the, the emotional pain that he, I'm sure he, he felt because he was human, living on this earth 33 years, knowing how it was going to end. Think about that. Think about that pain of the cross that he endured for so long for us. He endured it all. We're told that he despised the shame. And this idea of despising here, it means that he, he thought little of it. He disregarded the shame. You know, the, the, as if this death was not painful enough already, this, was, this is one of the most shameful deaths that anybody could ever die, hanging naked there on the cross for all to see, having been beaten and abused. He's hung between two thieves. He's counted among the transgressors, we're told. He, he despised all of that. He thought little of all of that. 
How could, how could you think little of all of that? How could you endure that pain? It was because he was focused on the joy that was set before him, we're told. Who, middle of verse 2, Hebrews 12, verse 2, who for the joy set before him endured the cross the finish line. And, and the joy at the finish line, it's not just that I endured, you know, it, for Jesus, it wasn't just that, you know, he endured terrible things and there was nothing good going on, but I know that when I get to the finish line, then it's going to be good. No, that, that, that's not how it works. There is joy at the finish line, but the joy at the finish line is so great, is so inexpressible that it brings us joy along the way. It brings us joy through the trials. It brings us joy through the pain. We can have joy even as I'm laying aside a sin or an encumbrance that is so painful for me to lay aside. I can have joy because of the, just the, un, un, the, the unfathomable joy that is set before us. I can have joy along the way because of how great the joy at the finish line is. I can, I can rejoice in doing my Father's will as Christ rejoiced in doing His Father's will. And so we look to Him as our example first off. We, we see how He ran His race and we're encouraged to try, we're encouraged by that and, and we are encouraged to imitate that. But that's not the only reason that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. We can also run with endurance the race that is set before us because of where He is right now. What did his finish line look like? Well, he, he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that's where he's sitting right this moment. We, I can run with the race, the race with endurance. I can imitate him because he is reigning at the right hand of God. What sin can compete with that? Because I know that in the end, if I'm faithful like these men and women were faithful, if I'm faithful like Christ was faithful, I'm going to be right there too. I'm going to be right there before the throne of God in the new heavens and the new earth. And just how wonderful will that be? What, what sin can compete with that? What encumbrance can compete with that? Because that's what awaits each and every one of us at the finish line. If we run with endurance the race that is set before us, we will be before the throne of God and Christ. How marvelous is that? What, what career compares with that? What family member compares with that? What sin compares with that? We must lay all of these things aside because of the joy that is set before us. Because our king is reigning. I want to close with, with verse 3. Hebrews 12 and verse 3. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So, let us consider Jesus this week. Let us consider Jesus, consider the hostility that he endured and be emboldened by that. Let us not grow weary. Let us not lose heart. So here, at, at the beginning of the week, on, on this Lord's Day, let's take stock of all of the things that, that, all of the things that are on our schedules this coming week. Let's look at our schedules. Let's see how we're using the 24 hours a day that God blesses us with. And, and let's take stock of how we're running the race. 
let's take stock of the various encumbrances that we might be trying to juggle as we're also trying to run a race with endurance. Let's take stock of the sin that we might be trying to hide, trying to ignore, because we have to lay it all aside if we're going to run with endurance. Let's take stock of these things and let's, let's, let's decide, let's determine, let's purpose in our hearts that we're going to lay aside whatever it takes so that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us this week. And let's encourage each other as we're doing this. It is a, it is a wonderful thing to be a part of God's family. It is, it is a wonderful thing to be a child of the living God. To, to have the, the peace that comes from that, to have the joy that comes from that, even when things are hard in life, even when you are losing things that really hurt because you're trying to serve God. And I don't mean to, just, to disparage that at all or act like that's trivial because if it weren't trivial, if it were trivial, the Hebrew writer wouldn't have spent 13 chapters talking about how we've, we've got to press through. We have to be faithful. But that's the long and short of it, is that we have to be faithful. There's nothing that compares with the joy that is set before us. So let's think about that this week. If there's anything that we can do for you this morning to help you in that, if you have not yet begun running, begun running your race, if you have not put on Christ in baptism, been washed in, the, in, in His blood and had your sins forgiven and your relationship with God restored, you're, you're, you haven't even started running yet. But the, the wonderful thing is that God is patient with us and you have this opportunity right now to start, to start running. And you have a bunch of people around here today who want to help you run that race. We're not promised tomorrow. We, we, should, not, we should not take advantage of God's patience, of his tolerance. But as he gives us opportunity, as he still gives us breath, as he still gives us life, we should determine that we are going to run the race that's set before us. And so if you need to start running today, we would love to baptize you in water washing away your sins in the blood of Jesus. If you need prayers, if you need encouragement in your walk, we would love to help you with that as well. Whatever we can do to help you in, in, in your race, please let us know. You can come forward if you like now as we stand and as we sing. When we walk with the Lord,